I'm Liz Gold, and you're listening to Conversations. Stories about strength, courage, and making it through. I'm glad you're here. this episode, I have an announcement. This is Liz Gold. This is going to be the final episode of Conversations with Liz Gold in this incarnation. It may come back in a different style, in a different format. We shall see. But in terms of talking about stories of strength, courage, and getting through This is the final episode. I have to say I have immense amount of gratitude for all of you for listening, for cheering me on, for sending love, for sharing it on social, for writing reviews. And I have an immense amount of gratitude for all of my guests who have come on to share their stories, to talk about things that were personal and meaningful to them. I mean, we covered a whole range of topics from astrology, to family trauma, to mental illness, to learning how to float in a flow tank, to gender, to spirituality, to writing, to healing, to comedy. I talked about my birthmark. Lots of vulnerable stories shared on this podcast, and I hope that you will explore all 24 episodes. It certainly is a timestamp of our time. You know, I started this in February of 2020, the pandemic hit. So, so many of our episodes are related to how people are really getting through the pandemic. And, you know, when I started this, my goal was like, okay, I'm going to just do 12 episodes, see how it goes. Well, you're about to hear episode 24. So I couldn't be prouder. I couldn't be more grateful. And, you know... It's always a little sad to let a project go, but I feel good about what was accomplished here, and I hope that you will enjoy these episodes as time moves on. So if you have any questions or have any comments for me, you can always reach out to me uh, at liz at rhinogirlmedia.com. You can hit me up on social media, Liz Stacy Gold on Instagram. I'm here, and uh, I'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Liz Gold. Today, I have Nora Ignadosian on the show, and let me tell you just a little bit about her before I bring her on. Nora was born in Pasadena, California, but has been in New York City half her life. She's a daughter of immigrants who fled from war-torn Beirut, Lebanon. Nora is an identical twin, but the youngest by eight minutes. Professionally, she's been a clothing designer for some large brands all over the globe. She describes her style as simple, easy, and no fucks given. Yes. (laughs) And oh yeah, she's queer. Welcome to the show, Nora. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This is so much fun. It's so nice to connect with you again. I know. Yay. I love that you described your style simple, easy, and no fucks given. I'm sure we'll get into that a little (laughs) further in the show, but I love that you said that. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about your clothing line, your new clothing line that's coming out next year in 2021. But before we go there, let me just ask you, like, you're in New York. We're still in the age of the pandemic. We're, like, in the throes of it. It's October 3rd, and since I've started the show in February, I like to always say the date of recording because I feel like time is moving so fast, and uh-huh. like, I don't even know what time is anymore, really. And so I'm just curious, like, how is it going for you? How has this year been, like, the pandemic, New York, all of it. Oh my God. It's just been so weird. Like with everybody else, I'm sure. I was just actually, before we got on this call, going through my Instagram just to be like, again, like going back to what you just said, like, what is time? (laughs) Like, 
I think the last time I looked at how long this has been, well, I was furloughed like around March or like early, early March. And I was like, holy shit, it's been like six months. Mm-hmm. I've been home wearing no bra <laughs> <laughs> for six months. Yeah. And I just can't believe it. And I just go back to like, I'm having flashbacks with people having conversations about like, when is this going to get back to normal? When is this going to get back to normal? And I always in my gut, like knew that it was not going to be fast. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is not something that's just going to like be fixed in a couple months. Everyone's like, everything's going to go back to normal. Like, we'll definitely probably at the most like June or July, everything will be running again. And always I'm like, I don't think... <laughs> People are that on board with, I don't know, working on something as a community, as a team, unfortunately. That's how I felt. But Even yeah. During the pandemic? Yeah, during the pandemic and just like people's view on like how to make things better. I mean, you can see just like politically how much it's like created. I mean, not just the pandemic that's caused a divide. It's our, you know, our fucking leader. But you know, if, I don't know, I'm a stickler to like science, like listen to science. Like I think science is pretty right on. You can't mess with that. It is what it is. Oh God, I can't believe I just said that. And <laughs> well, <it's true. laughs> like listen to the experts and some people are just like thinking of like all the conspiracy theories. I mean, if again, people out there are all for conspiracy theories, good for you. Do you do your thing, but I am sure everybody thinks it could have been handled in a lot sooner, faster and better way. But anyway, here we are six months later. And I mean, slowly, everything has just been a slow, slow, slow process. I did get like a full-time job, which I'm so lucky, so lucky. And like, especially in fashion, like who's buying clothes right now? Nobody, Mm -hmm. you know, like the biggest market out there that's doing really well is lounge, basically like people (laughs) wearing sweats and sweaters and being cozy, which I, hello, same, you know? Yeah, it's been tough. The industry is horrible. And I don't know, I got really lucky. So it's been great. And that's like a nice way of like supplementing my collection, which has also happened like during this pandemic. And we're going to talk about that. I'm really excited to talk about your clothing line because, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but my secret desire since when I was a kid was to have my own clothing line. But I'm not like a fashion designer. I'm not a sewer. I'm not any of that. So I cannot wait to talk to you about it. But like you said a lot in what you were just you know, saying about the pandemic and how, you know, we haven't really come together. And I agree. I don't think things are just going to go back to normal. I don't think we're going to have that normal again. I think we're going to be in a new normal. I I mean, Mm -hmm. why would people want to go back to offices when they can work from home? I mean, maybe some people would, you know, like for sure. They're like, get me out of the fucking house. But like, you know, I think your point about fashion and like leisure wear and lounge wear being obviously like what people want right now people want to be comfortable people are like Mm -hmm. around the house they're not getting dressed you know not at all you know how hard it was for me to put like shoes on (laughs) to get back to work and like something that's gonna like button instead of like pull on my in like an elastic waist but anyway (laughs) are you you working from home with your new job no I'm that's another thing it's been kind of like whoa major shift and just I guess like non-schedule schedule of my pandemic life because I was doing like I was obviously like launching my collection so I had my own schedule and that was insane and slowly I started going into the city because we'll get into it too because I'm using like New York and Brooklyn factories which I'm really proud about and again we'll dive into that later so slowly I was getting a glimpse of like I guess outside of my home and what's happening out there and it was really scary and then riding the train I was freaking out I had an anxiety like internal attack where I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, I know that I'm going to get some kind of like virus. I'm going to get some kind of disease. But then slowly I'm like, okay, no, this is fine. Like, just be super clean be super careful, like sanitize the crap out of yourself and like keep wearing your mask. And it's been good. It's been okay. So I think that exposed me a little bit before I had to go into work every day. So I'm okay with it. But yes, they do promote us working from home, like at least like twice a week, which is wonderful. So everybody alternates in the office. So the office is pretty quiet and pretty empty, which I love. And then of course, I also do love working from home. But we just got like a email 
recently saying like, you know, phase four, people have to be in the office like full time now, like five days a week. I know starting October 12th. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. So that's what I've been doing. But it's been good to actually have like a set schedule. And it has been weird. I have to say like my mind, the way my brain was working six months ago was very like, I don't know, faster problem solving, like quick Mm -hmm. thinking. And I guess my brain sort of turned a little bit like on major like pause mode. for six months and so now I'm like oh shit like I kind of can't think in that mindset anymore I've definitely like it's you know the pandemic has made it a lot of people just like reflect and be different instead of you know taking life a little bit more seriously and kind of like back to my comment about no fucks given clothes it's like the things that are more important in your life than work right I mean you know we're going through a collective trauma with this Mm -hmm. I think that's the piece like you know there's this virus that we can't get a handle on. It's killing people. Like, you know, there's our president and the administration don't really take it, aren't taking it seriously. And yeah. it, people have responded to it in various ways because it's impacted them in various ways. I mean, you have oh, essential yeah. worker, you know, you have people at grocery stores who are like, I never signed up to be an essential worker and now I'm an essential worker. Like, I know. know. I know, wild. exactly. And I, I really, this is also another thing that I was saying, like, this is a big shock to people who don't, uh, I guess I'm going to stumble a little bit here, but I think this has been a whole reboot <laughs> in humanity yeah. just to, for people to be like it kind of shake them to their core to be like oh fuck like I guess respect people who are in that service industry and realize how essential they actually are and that you can't take these people for granted like these people are fucking putting their life on the line for you so you have food water and toilet paper you know like because there's people who've never ever had that kind of job have never been in the service industry don't even know what it's like to work in customer service so i hope this is like also shocked some kind of, I don't know, empathy for people who are really putting their lives out there for us. Yeah. I mean, I think there is some of that. And I also think there are people that are just really thinking about themselves and don't really, you know, they're like, I don't really want to wear a mask. Like, You know, I think it also, it's about risk tolerance, you know, like gauging people's risk, like our, and then on the flip side of that, you know, there's like the selfishness factor, you know, it's like, are you willing to walk around without a mask? Like here you can't go into public places without a mask, which I think it's like that probably in a lot of different places. Yeah, it's wild to see how different people respond and how people are taking it seriously or if they're not, you know? It's really scary. It's really frightening to see what's out there and how, I mean, even with our, gosh, the whole office, like the presidency, the administration, just this Pandora's box has like just swung wide wide open. I'm like, holy shit, these people are coming out and they have just this like leader that's just scary. There's a lot of people out there where I'm like, I can't believe these people are real. (laughs) I know. And the the scary thing is that they get into office and that's the piece Mm -hmm. that people are, they're somehow getting voted into office and Mm -hmm. that is... And then making decisions on behalf of all of us, you know? Speaking for Um, us, absolutely. So it's not the voice for the people. It's like this government is not for the people. It's for themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, So I want to ask you about your family because I know you're close with them. I mean, you have a twin. And also, I think the last time I knew that they were maybe out in California, but maybe I'm wrong. Is that? No, they're all out there. Yeah. They're all still in California. I'm the only one out here. Yeah. So how has that been for you? Like during the pandemic and, you know, being separated? It's been hard, you know, because I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, when's the next time I'm going to see my mom and my dad? Because they're all all the way out there. And of course, my mom, they're older. So I'm like, mom, don't either leave the house. And my mom is one of those that's like loves her grandchildren, loves her daughters and children. And like she cooks and she just coddles <laughs> us to death. And I know that she always has to be like around her her children, as she says, like her grandkids. And so I'm like, mom, please don't leave the house. Like, especially now, please, like, if you want, like, go around the block, take a walk, but like, you have to be careful. She's, thank God. She's like, I know, I know. She took it a little bit more seriously. And she's, 
thank goodness, like, because my sister's, my twin sister is a pediatric nurse. And so, you know, my mom listens to her because she's like, okay, this is very close to home. So I'm going to listen to whatever you guys say. And I yeah, want to stay healthy. And it's been hard. It's because, you know, the good thing is like, we're always in communication. Like my sisters and my mom and I are like on this group tech. So we're always in communication with each other, constantly checking in with each other. Like, how's everyone doing today? <laughs> how's everybody feeling? Any fevers, any coughs? And everyone's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So we're always checking in with each other. Yeah, no, it's been okay. And so far, so good. So crossing fingers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking a little bit about, you know, your, you know, your daughter, your daughter of immigrants, your parents fled from Beirut. I mean, how long have they been here in the States? So I am, I'm first generation. So I was born here, but my parents and my older sister were born in, well, my parent, my dad was born in Syria, but my mom was born in Beirut. Anyway, they were there their whole, like, I guess, young adult lives. Mm -hmm. And then my sister was born in 74. And so the war broke out, like, I, I don't even know, like four years later or something, the civil war. Mm -hmm. So they basically like they were refugees, like they escaped, they came over here. And my dad had his own like business out there. And they were all doing really well. And my mom went to school, and she did really well. And you know, the life was like positive and hopeful and like bright. And then this war broke out. And you know, they just fled and they came out here and they had you know, they didn't speak any English. They didn't have any, you know, none of their careers, like they couldn't fall back on anything. So my dad, like he, it's pretty amazing, like what he did, like he taught, he learned how to speak English, like as good as he could, as I can't even speak English right now, as no, but that then, makes sense. As good as he could, that made sense. As good as he could. <laughs> And he went to dry cleaning school. Like he would just yeah. take his little hoopty car and like drive all the way to Compton because that's where his classes were. <laughs> and he quickly got his degree in dry cleaning and or whatever certification. I don't know what it's called for dry cleaning. And then he rented out this little shop and he became a dry cleaner and he really provided for his family, which is like, wow, 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 wow. How powerful and how like ambitious of him and then you know my mom got pregnant immediately like when they came here and then she was like fuck I'm not only having one I'm having two and so when oh she, wow she tells us the story she's like I was at the doctor's office in the sick and he's like he saw another head like pop up I guess in the ultrasound <laughs> this is my mom's interpretation she's a storyteller so I'm sure none of that happened but she's like <laughs> I saw another head just like pop up in the screen. And then she's like, I saw you guys before the doctor saw you guys. Again, my mom, like, she's like such a storyteller. You. <laughs> I know she's great. She's amazing. <laughs> she's the most amazing woman I've ever known met <laughs> in my life. And so the doctor's like, oh, you're having twins. And then she just started crying. She's so mad about it she wasn't even happy she's like i have no money we oh, wow. like just got whatever yeah and of course like we were born and she was like the so happy and so proud of us and but yeah that's what happened and then my dad yeah he provided for us and then my mom ended up like they had a dual like shop. My dad did all the dry cleaning and then my mom did all the alterations in a different like location. So they created this tiny little like dry cleaning plant. And, you know, we didn't have babysitters, nothing like that. This is like holy, like years ago where you, we were latchkey kids. Like there was no such thing as like babysitters, like kids mm -hmm. can't stay home by themselves. Like in the eighties, you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. And so we would, but we would also like stay at the dry cleaning plant and, and I would be like playing on my mom's sewing machine. She had like an ancient antique, like giant foot pedal singer sewing machine. So I think that's where my interest in clothing also started just being around a lot of like industrial machines and just how my mom can fix things like that. I think that's where it all started. Wow. Yeah, that would make sense to, to because you're around it, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. and also your dad is like entrepreneurial, like yeah. coming to That's a new country, learning a new language, and then, you know, learning a trade, basically. So to yeah. up a business, you know? That's true. I've also noticed like growing up, I'm definitely a lot more like my dad. I have a lot of his traits. When he was in Beirut, like he was a shoe designer, you know, he was mm. making shoes and he had his store and everything. And wow. then that all went like it, his 
shop got bombed. And yeah. and then I slowly like followed in his footsteps. Like he talks to, about it to this day. He's like, my daughter became a modelesque, you know, like he says it in his language, like modeler, basically like a stylist yeah. or a designer. And then I moved to New York. And then he's like, you did the same thing I did. He's like, I went to Denmark and I was working out there for a little bit. He's like, you and I have the same history. You and I like oh. follow, do this. Like we have the same pattern in our lives. And I'm like, that's so true. That's so weird. Like it was just like innately happened. It wasn't even like, I'm going to be like my dad. It just naturally happened that way. Right. That's so nice. That's amazing. I love that. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that. I mean, and so, I mean, how have you sort of carried that forward now as an adult? I mean, obviously you're starting your own endeavor, the clothing line, but how has your parents sort of experience impacted you now? Oh, um, big time. I mean, my parents were definitely like, they were really not, they promoted us like hard work. They definitely like had us like talked about money with us from the beginning. Like, you know, you need to have a savings account. Like, this is really important. Like credit, you have to create your, you know, <laughs> establish yeah. credit, like all this stuff. But, you know, it was in one ear out the other. So I was like, whatever, I'm too young right now. And then as I become 40, I'm like, fuck, I have to pay off my debt. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they definitely instilled like a lot of hard work work which I really really appreciate almost like too much where <laughs> it's like I have to give myself a break and I have a hard time doing that yeah but no even as kids my dad would always be like you're coming with me you know like you're gonna help me do this this and that you know or if like the water tower on the roof needed cleaning he'd be like you're doing it get up there <laughs> I was like seven or eight <laughs> were your sister like did your sister have to do it too or was yeah just oh, okay they okay. did but for some reason me more my dad I mean you know, <laughs> this, this is old school he's like you're more the boyish one so I'm gonna <laughs> have you clean the bird shit out of the oh water tower so yeah I was definitely not like treated in a prissy way my dad is also one of those he's like really tough like tough love, which we'll talk about the, my mom who's like the complete opposite. So they were both like an intense balance. So my dad, I remember like one day from church, I was like in my Sunday best or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we were just like, well, I was, we had a swimming pool, which again, I'm like, holy shit, my dad, this like immigrant who like came from nothing, like bought a house and we had a swimming pool. So that was just like, I don't know. Like I felt so, yeah lucky and but I didn't know how to swim (laughs) you know and of course parents back then they're not like we gotta put a baby gate up you know everything has to be safe no they're like they fall in they learn how to swim that's their problem (laughs) so um, I'm sure people from the 80s will relate to this they're like they're probably like no you were abused as a child (laughs) you were neglected whatever think hilarious yeah but yeah I was like wearing my dress really ugly dress but anyway and he just like threw me in he just like pushed me over (laughs) really wow yeah he just pushed me and my mom's like what are you doing he's like giggling I know it's kind of fucked up actually but he's like, no she needs to learn how to swim that's how you do it I'm like wow. I don't think that's how you do it I think did you figure it out what did yeah you I figured it out totally <laughs> I mean what else are you gonna do just sink like you have to figure it out right yeah if I sunk I hope he pulls me out you know <laughs> how old were you probably like Yeah, I want to say like maybe seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. He's tough. I guess that's tough love. But no, it was interesting. Like my mom is the opposite. Like my mom is the most caring, loving, nurturing woman. Like she's the one that also like really put a lot of confidence in me and my sisters. Like she was... You know, I was always overweight. Like my sisters and I always had a weight problem. Like we took after our dad. My mom was like this stunning, gorgeous, skinny, like model-esque woman. But she never, ever, ever made us feel like you guys are fat. You guys have to lose weight. You guys Mm -hmm. are, you know, you guys have to look as pretty as like all these other skinny Armenian girls, you know. Of course, we had our own issues as much as my mom gave us that love and attention. Like society fucking fucks it up for you. You know, fashion magazines and girls and like mean girls and you know you get it it's like being a child being a teenager but yeah my mom has always been even to this day just the most loving I don't think I don't know if I didn't have her I don't know if I would know what love is honestly yeah I mean it seems like you appreciate both your parents for their different approaches and their different styles of loving (laughs) as extreme as it is my dad isn't easy like we haven't had a really good relationship my whole childhood like he was pretty tough man like he doesn't say nice things you know so that's another like 
reason why I think my mom overcompensated for him because, you know, she was like, that's not nice. You shouldn't say that to your kids. And he was a little bit more on like the mentally abusive side and a little bit like physically as well. Like he would hit us a lot. And so my mom definitely was like our protector, our guardian. And we have extreme, I guess, ways of raising. They had, they both had very different ways of raising us. Yeah. But yeah, I respect that's another thing. Like as tough and annoying as hard as my dad was, there's certain things I really respect about him. Like he created a life for us mm-hmm. out of all that. Yeah. I mean, is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. Oh, he's still ticking. I was just talking to him the other day and he's so funny. He's so weird, but I'm like, how are you doing? How are you handling all this? Cause he's almost 80 and yeah. he's outlived like all of his friends too. That's another thing. I'm like, how are you still alive? Like your friends have also been healthier than you and the years you've outpassed them, <laughs> outlived them. But he's good because I'm like, are you wearing your masks when you go places? He's like, yeah. He's like, of course. You know, my dad doesn't know how to use the internet or anything. Has never had a computer. Still like watches TV and orders things on like a television. Like when you call like special deal, two for one. He's that guy. He'll call in. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So he got his masks and I'm proud of him. I'm like, good job. Yeah, I don't fault people for not using computers or the internet anymore. Like, I'm like, have if you watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix, I'm like, oh, I have. Holy shit. But one more question about your family before we talk about your new clothing line. How did they deal with your queerness? Oh, oh my gosh. This is insane. So being a Middle Eastern woman, me being just Middle Eastern, like this being gay is like, you're basically Satan, you know, you're gonna... That's awful. You'll get disowned. Like, this is the worst thing. It's, you can't do this. We're Christians. It's like, you will burn in hell. We'll disown you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, fuck that. Like, I'm never going to say anything. I'm going to shut up for the rest of my life. And I'll probably just be closeted and marry a man and have children just to appease my family. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh-huh. So I was still living a very closeted and private life. When I moved to New York, I was dating somebody and I wasn't telling my mom or dad anything. And, you know, they would always like just wonder to themselves, like, why isn't Nora ever with anybody? Like, mm-hmm. Ani's engaged, getting married. Armig, my older sister, had a boyfriend at the time. Like, Nora never talks about anybody. Part of them are like, is she, is she okay? Like, but anyway, um, once I was having a really, you know, difficult time with a partner and I wanted to talk to somebody about it, but I couldn't talk to my mom. And I was just like crying on the phone and I'm like, I don't know, I'm having a hard time. And slowly I was just like really, I guess, like dancing around the subject and not really saying what was going on. And then my mom is so cute because she's like, are you having a problem with a a boy? I'm like, no. And she's like, is it a woman? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. She's like, darling, I always knew. I'm like, what? So basically my mom outed me. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. And I'm like, I didn't know how to say it, you know? I'm like, because growing up, I remember this stuck with me because growing up, she was like, I love gay people. I have a lot of gay friends. She's like, but if it was one of my daughters, I would kill myself. Oh, that stuck with me. And I'm like, oh, I don't want my mom to commit suicide. Yeah, of course. How could that not stick with you? That would be like, wow. I know. So yeah, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell anybody. And then I never told my dad ever, ever, ever. And then I think like maybe five years ago, six years ago, when I was with my current partner now, it came up and he was like, oh, okay, cool. He went like that. And I'm like, I can't believe this. This is like this. I didn't expect this reaction at all. So it's weird how they found out it was never like a big coming out story or anything. It was more like my parents just being concerned and like wanting to know how I'm doing and if I'm okay and what's going on. And basically like, we need your transparency. We're here for you. We love you no matter what. Because luckily, like, as for Armenian parents, like, I have very, very, very liberal and awesome parents. They're not very, they're not conservative, like all these other Armenian people in our community where, you know, it's very much one way. My parents have always allowed themselves to see both sides, which is kind of unheard of. And I am very lucky to have them. And my sisters and I were also like, you know, we're pretty radical. You know, we also don't allow them to think one way or another. We're pretty outspoken and we don't allow ourselves to be brainwashed, I guess. (laughs) 
I don't know. We just definitely have all had a voice in our home and been open with each other. So that's been really powerful growing up with an open-minded family. Yeah. I love that. I love that Mm -hmm. story. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, that's great. I mean, I love that your mom, you know, she obviously, you know, did you have you ever talked to her about that statement that she made? Oh my gosh, many times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, you know, and she's like, of course. I knew, not I knew, but she's like, that's how we were all conditioned. You know, you're all conditioned. We're all conditioned by like what we're told and what we've grown up around and, you know, all the gossip and shit talking that that's in your community and you're embarrassed to like be different from them. And so my mom was like, yeah, that was my mentality then. And slowly, like, I realized like love is love and it's bullshit and it's not your fault. You know, (laughs) it's that's how you were born. And then in the beginning, though, she took a little bit of the blame. (laughs) She's like... Maybe it was me. I don't know, but whatever. And I'm like, mom, it's not like that. You know, I like the accent you do for her. Oh, that's the only way I can talk about my mom. (laughs) Yeah, she loves it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is like, that's what parents are supposed to do. Love you no matter what. Right. So, I mean, I know that like easier said than done and not always a given, but yeah. It's not always a given. And to me it is, but uh, unfortunately like out there it isn't big time it isn't but no my mom is it just shows like growing up like we did no wrong in my mom's eyes and so she was just like all she wanted and all she wants is to be happy to be loved and this is the one life that we have and if you do something wrong we work through it you know yeah that's how it should be that's so nice yeah I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky with her. Yeah. My dad, it's been a process with my dad. Like we've had years of trying to get along. We didn't speak for a long, long time, but I think the older he's gotten and again with this whole pandemic situation, it's given me a different perspective. It's given everybody a different perspective in my family. So I don't know. I'm a little bit more open-minded when it comes to a fucked up past. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I talk to people and they're like, you know, like somebody that I talked to recently was just like, you know, we have this expectation that people are just going to be around, you know, and for milestones, um, it was actually Kai Kelly, who was on the show before in the previous episode, or in one of the episodes, and she has said, like, you know, you have this assumption that people are just going to be around forever, and they're not, you know, and so it's like, love them now, be with them now, but I really want to get to your clothing line, Okay, it's like... (laughs) I mean, I love talking about your family. It's amazing. It's awesome. You know, I feel like I get, I've gotten to know you so much more just through Mm. hearing that. So thank you. So tell me about the new clothing line, Dosian. Is that how you say it? Yes, Dosian. That's right. And so how did it come about? Like, how did it spark? Okay, so it was just like, I've always thought about it. But also, I've always said that's never gonna happen. It's just like, it's too expensive. It's too stressful. It's not worth it. And so I was helping somebody like launch their collection recently. And I'm like doing all of the work that comes to getting fabric and doing all the like the, the really technical side of the business. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I could do this myself. <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard as hell, but it's not that hard. It's more we're the, our mind is what our blockage is. We're the ones that put ourselves, like, our other roadblock. You know, I am. I definitely don't like promote my skills or my abilities. So I'm just like, no, I don't even, it's not even worth it. Where, so that was one little bit of um, epiphany. And then another one was, I was wearing this dress that I love so much. It's super comfortable. It's really easy. Again, it's like, it's almost like a one size fits all thing. Like any body type can wear it, which is what I love. And I was walking through the door and like door handle, whatever, like got my pocket hit it or my pocket, the doorknob went into my pocket and it ripped. And I'm like, ah, shit, like, let me go online and buy it, whatever. And then I'm looking at the dress and I have no job because of the pandemic. I don't want to tap into my savings because of the pandemic. (laughs) And then the dress was so expensive. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to do my own thing. Like I, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I spending money on clothes that I know don't, shouldn't cost that much. I also am already helping somebody launch their own collection. And I'm like, I can do this too. So I just like started sketching like items that I would love to have. Like my, I basically like designed my closet, what I would wear and people like me, which are like, 
plus size or don't have that much money, can't afford like ex- really expensive clothing, want to look good, want to feel good. So I just sketched up a bunch of stuff and I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I would buy. So I started contacting a bunch of factories that I had worked with or I knew in New York and I, the name just you know, I use a part of my last name, which I think is really important, especially as an Armenian person, like being having that Armenian exposure out there and, you know, just supporting the Armenian community and being known that like we are strong people and we are definitely overcoming our past and history and we have a voice. That was very important to me to keep that IAN in there. And I, yeah, I worked on my website. I worked with a bunch of factories. I ordered a bunch of fabric. I am working with a friend. I have amazing, amazing friends. So one of my friends, Annie Frame, she's the photographer that you've seen the photos on the website and she's brilliant. So she's helped out with beautiful photos. My other friend is helping out with working on the email list and helping me like put out newsletters. And I've just gotten so much support and it's been wonderful. And it's been great connecting with local factories and giving them business and keeping the garment factory kind of afloat and working for me and helping each other out and producing it and putting him on my e-com website and then slowly launching it. Ooh, I know. It's That's been good. great. It's been amazing. I've been so lucky and so happy and proud and I feel great about it. Yes. I love yeah. this. And so when will people be able to buy? I'm going to launch everything end of January February, it's going to be like the spring collection. I know that's when usually like market calendar wise, like spring hits, which is crazy because that's freezing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I just want to get it out there in a in a timely way where I'm not rushing anything. I want to get the clothes perfect. I want to get the, you know, the price good, like a reasonable price. That's another one of my big things is I want it to be affordable. When I was looking for a dress that I wanted to buy, I'm like, I'm not going to spend $250 on a dress that I'm probably going to rip again when I walk through a door. And that's not even expensive, like considering all the other clothes out there that is just so expensive. So yeah, I want it to be like at a reasonable price point, like I don't know. I've even been asking friends. I'm like, how much would you pay for this? How much would you pay for that? Because I know what's out there. But I also want to talk to people, real people and what they would pay. And yeah, I'm just going to put it out there for a good price that I would even pay. Instead of buying one dress for this much money, I could buy two dresses for half that. So your stuff has also seems very functional. From what I can tell, like it's like really solid functional pieces, right? So yeah, you You could wear it everywhere, right? Dress it up, dress it down. You could wear it to the store, you could wear it out, put some heels on makeup, whatever you want. Um, Men could wear it to anybody. It's like gender neutral. It's just all color, all sizes, all genders all non-genders, everything, whatever, whoever, there's like no discrimination. It's one love. It's for everyone. So what are the pieces that are going to be included in the line? So I have a couple dresses, but they can also be worn as tunics. So you could definitely wear them Mm -hmm. with pants. I have one pant that is just really versatile, comfortable. You could wear it however, which way you could wear it hiked up shorter you could fold over the waistband you could wear the waistband super high it has a tie so it could fit to any waist size go wear it high or lower it's for everybody and it's massive it's huge like you wrap it over each other so you could kind of like make it to your own measurement so i've tried to make it very much like a i don't know design as you go as well like (laughs) use your talent to it use your use your style to wear this whatever which way Mm -hmm. you want and then i have a couple tops which are also oversized but chic and sleek and have interesting style lines and then i have a couple more dresses that i think are just like these cocoon shapes these kind of oversized but really interesting drapey sleeves and fun backs and other armhole styles just playing around with like classic pieces but altering the pattern of them it it sounds amazing i mean i've seen the pictures i've been on it obviously that's why i reached out to i was like nora (laughs) and i was like i want one (laughs) so what's the material that you're using in like the coloring the color scheme so it's very this is another thing where again my friends have been so unbelievably wonderful and helpful a lot of the fabric that i'm using are japanese fabric they're mainly cotton 
they're really, really nice. And so the color scheme is also very tonal. You know, I have white, black, navy, khaki color. But then I want to have like one or two prints. And I'm working with a friend of mine who is an artist and their pieces are so beautiful. I've always followed her paintings and her drawings. And so I reached out to her and I've asked her, I'm like, would you be into having one of your prints, one of your paintings or one of your artwork into like textile design or like a print design. Like I'll do all the rest of it. Like I'll put it in repeat. I'll do whatever. I'll blow it up. Like, are you okay? Like, may I use your piece? And it's such a beautiful piece. And so she's like, yeah, of course. Like all my friends have been incredible. Yeah. And then my other friend helped me. He's a corporate lawyer and he helped me like establish my corporation. So I have an INC, like Everybody has been so great. And so I've just been really blessed. So yeah, the fabric is comfortable. It's easy. Clothes are easy. Goes with everything. Again, like I said, my clothes are just like easy and no fucks given. Like just Mm -hmm. be who you are. Enjoy the garments. Pay a reasonable price and look fucking good in them. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love the story, like about how you realized that you wanted to do your own line. I mean, and and of course it makes sense that you've always had it sort of in the back of your mind because you've been in fashion clothing for a long time, working for major brands, which we won't name, but you know, and so it's exciting to see that you're like, oh my God, like I've been doing this for other people. Like, why can't I do it for myself? I should be doing it for myself. And then you're creating this thing and taking steps forward to making it happen and you're just getting so much support and love. I mean, you know. Yeah, the reaction of the website and the clothes, just the the comments I've been getting back and it just given me a lot more like confidence, confidence to be like, no, you can totally do this. Like people love what you're doing because it's great. It's good. They love it. It's what you've always wanted to do because also in the industry, like it's really hard out there. Even the companies that I have worked for, like people are rough, people are tough. So this is a way for me to just literally be like, fuck you. This is how I want to do it. I'm not going to listen to what you like or you don't like. Like I know that there's people like me out there who want to wear these kind of clothes. So that's another reason why I'm just, I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in terms of like the whole process, because I'm just very curious about the process of actually creating this. So you made, you made sketches and then you talked to different garment factories. Mm -hmm. And so do you give them sort of the pattern and the material and say, can you make X, Y, can you make like X amount of this shirt or this top and this dress? and, And that's your run. How does that work? Exactly. And I'm starting off slow right now. So what I do is since I've been, of course, doing this for a long time, I drape a lot of the clothes. So I put a lot of them on a mannequin, which again, another friend of mine, an incredible friend gave me her mannequin for free. Like these things are expensive. Everyone's helped. Everyone's had a little bit of like their hand in this like company. So I've draped a lot of the pieces. I bring in the original samples to them that I've worked on. I give them measurements and they make the first sample, which is called a muslin. So I go in and we take a quick like look at it on a model. We make comments on it and then I have them cut it in the proper fabric. And then Mm -hmm. I put it in the fabric that I love, the colors that I love. And then I photograph those. And then after that, what I want to do is I want to send a couple of my dresses, which I've talked to, to like all of my friends, like get all of their honest opinion, like of all sizes, give it to my sisters, my mom, young and old and middle-aged, give it to my friends who are really tall, give it to my friends who are short, give it to everybody, humans, like real people, Mm -hmm. not just like supermodels. And I want to get their honest honest, honest feedback. And I want to make sure these clothes are comfortable for a wide range of people. And the clothing sizing that I'm doing also isn't just like size two, size four, size six, size eight, like this shit ton of numeric like grading. Mine's going by size one, two, three, and four. So Mm -hmm. size one would be a range of small people. Two is like a range of small to medium people. You know, three is like large to extra large. And then four is, you know, a lot bigger. I don't, I'm not even going to like extra, extra large to like whatever, because I don't want people to feel like, Oh God, I used to be a six. Now I'm buying an eight. I don't want that. I don't want anyone to have that fucking size and number stigma. Just pick a garment. If it fits good on you, go for it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's so liberating. We're so overwhelmed by that. And it doesn't even make sense either. You know, I know. Um, It's like, what rule are you following? What fucking rule is there? Who made these rules? Yeah. (laughs) I just hate the industry standards and I'm just like, fuck it, man. 
be comfortable. Fuck the number. Enjoy yourself. If you like the way you feel in it, buy it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And that's so empowering for women to ju- or whomever to not follow a size and just be like, okay, like this is where I fit and this feels good. And yeah. you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of that in your experience working, you oh, know, God. in fashion. Like, you know, the sizes, like just the different oh, sizes them and like, you know, fat phobia and like, oh, you know, I mean... Who fits into a zero? I mean, I'm sure a lot of models, but like... Good for them. Hey, good for them. It's true. It's like, even this isn't a major thing. Like there's so much fat phobia in fashion. I'm actually really glad that it's taking a turn. I'm so happy about that. Like there's so much more like body positivity out there, but it's still not as like forward as uh, everybody who is plus size would like it to be. But even when I go to stores and shopping, I fucking hate it. Like the second I walk in, the way the saleswomen look at me immediately, I know I'm being judged. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, like even when I'm not shopping for myself, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking around or I'm with a friend, you you know, people immediately, the saleswomen look at me immediately and go, we have more sizes in the back. Wow. It's like, I don't even care. Like, why are you approaching yeah. me? I hate that. Immediately your judge is like, I know you're looking for, you're helping me because you're a saleswoman or you're getting commission, but you don't just approach somebody like that. Like you don't approach somebody who's at a restaurant and say, we have more carbs in the kitchen. Like you don't do that. <laughs> right. Right. I know. I mean, I think so many people have had that similar experience where you're just like, you know, you're looked up and down, you know, yeah. what do you mean? Why are you here? You can't fit into any of these clothes. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I feel like, business. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like more brands are coming out to be size positive. But I think like, you know, there's still so many brands out there that, you know, there's just limitations on mm-hmm cool clothes for people with real bodies, real bodies. Oh yeah. There's even been brands who have said like, we don't want to make clothes for bigger women. Like we stop at this particular size because we don't, you know, you're a walking advertisement. Basically they're like, we don't want fat people wearing our clothes. It has been said. Yeah. I do remember actually that I remember reading that. Yeah. I know it's so crazy. I'm so glad you're creating your own line. And like, I mean, what inspires you in fashion? I like, clean clothes like there's certain celebrities uh, not celebrities there are certain designers that I love so much but I can't afford anything <laughs> that yeah. they make and I wish I wish I wish I could but I am inspired by them a lot like I'm I'm also inspired by a lot of photography I am more of like a emotional mood person so I don't know I, I guess my clothes I like it being moody but I just want it to be clean and sleek and chic but not like over frilly and not complicated minimal like I keep saying like minimalistic just like really minimal (laughs) no fuss like there's a lot of brands that I love like there's one particular designer that I'm obsessed with her name is Maria Cornejo and she her clothing line is called well it goes by zero Maria Cornejo her clothes I'm just obsessed with but it's so expensive so expensive but she has a following and she's been around for a really really long time and she's made it happen good for her and then there's other people that I'm obsessed with too like Celine Celine's clothes are so gorgeous but also again like astronomically priced so I just want to be able to like do things that are chic and affordable and again all the clothes that I would wear and I know that a lot of people like me exist out there who aren't don't have unlimited funds <laughs> i mean is the pricing when people price their stuff so high is it because they want a following that's affluent and in the luxury you know sort of it's a combination world? of a lot of things i mean a lot of them are like legacy brands like there's hermes and there's christian dior and there's all these like balenciaga there's all these brands out there that just have like a namesake but some of it is like beautifully constructed like beautifully crafted like a a lot of them also use locally skilled embroiderers and Mm -hmm. uh, seamstresses and artists and textile artists and some of it is very much worth it you know they make it locally they make it in europe the fabric is incredibly beautiful and expensive and the contents that they use and a lot of it is worth it but honestly a lot of it isn't There's also shit out there where I'm like, come on, come on. Like, I'm looking at the content. This is polyester. Why is it so expensive because of the name? To me, it's being in the industry. I see it and I don't agree with it either. Yeah. 
So what else, Nora, should we know about your line? Hmm. I mean, you've, we've talked about a lot, like, you know, the material, mm-hmm. how you're making it, what kicked it off. Yeah, the kickoff is exactly that. Like, I just needed to do it. I just felt it and I wanted to feel like I've done something with my career and my life because, you know, in certain companies, like I was just, I felt stuck and I was wasn't designing my heart. I was designing what I had to. I was designing for the name of the brand and like who their clientele is. And I was getting bored. I just wanted to be creative again. Like I went to art school for a reason. And again, like I want to incorporate like my artistic integrity and use it towards clothing and making it more of like a a sculptural piece instead of just like a mass market, like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, disposable clothing. I just want to put my heart into it. And I want the clothes to reflect that. And I want people to feel beautiful and great wearing them. Yeah. And I'm excited to launch it. And I really want to start photographing my friends. I mean, right now, I only have a couple people who have modeled for the clothes and I've only had a minimal amount of clothes that have been photographed, but I want to start giving it to my closest friends who are of every, every wake of life. So, mm-hmm. and so I want to photograph them. Yeah. Yay. I'm so excited for you. I'm really excited to check out the clothes. I mean, and to order a piece. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yes. I mean, even though I'm not going anywhere, I'll still wear it and I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. I'm like, what am I doing? There's still a <laughs> pandemic, but no, I'm optimistic. I think like people are going to start being able to like go out and like, I mean, yeah. New York city outdoor dining is permanent now and you can wear these clothes out and you can actually like be seen in public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can go for walks and wear it, you know, yeah. like, I'm My friend sorry. was saying, she's like, you should make matching masks with the dresses. I'm like, that is a great idea, actually. <laughs> with purchase, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is like, who knew that that was going to be the accessory of the year? <laughs> it's so hot. It's so in. <laughs> so, Nora, how can people follow you online and keep up with the launch? Okay, so my website and my Instagram, I'm going to start a Facebook one. So my website is www.dosianNYC.com. And then my Instagram is dosian, what is it, underscore, underslash, the little line. Yeah. <laughs> NYC. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to start the a Facebook one, but I think Instagram is pretty great for it. And because... You can also promote your clothes on there, which has also given me a lot of exposure like all over the world because you could pick your like clientele and where you want your clothes to be promoted online, socially. So that's been great. I've gotten a lot of followers that way. And then soon I'm going to start a subscription list and all the soon to come and all the news about Dosian will be sent to whoever wants to subscribe to Dosian. <laughs> Ooh, please add me. Okay, you got it. (laughs) That's probably a given, though. I'm like, please. (laughs) You're already on it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Nora, for coming on the show and sharing about your family and, like, your your heart and your clothing line. It's all so beautiful and exciting, and I'm really happy for you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much. This has been beautiful. I really appreciate you. Yay. Until (laughs) next time, everybody. Conversations is produced by Rhino Girl Media, a communications consulting company. To advance or evolve your next communications project, check out my website, rhinogirlmedia.com, or contact me at liz at rhinogirlmedia.com. You can always follow me on Instagram at Gold. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review, share it, or send me some love. Thanks for listening. Until next time.